you know, I feel like this is the beginning of something special. Of just like whenever Chicago plays LA, like we gotta turn up no matter what city it's in, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna hey, anywhere but Orlando, though. Fuck that place. FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod where one scholar and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. Uh, our co-host Dweez couldn't be here tonight. He had some some family things going on. Uh, we have Josh Spice as per usual. What up? Okay. <laughs> what, what was that? I don't know. That's so aggressive. I know. I was, I was listening to my old um, kind of intros, and I need a better like sound effect. Like I was going with your for a while, and I just I, I don't know. It didn't feel right after a minute. What up? In a very aggressive tone, took its place. Yeah, and it was a mistake. It was a little. It was an octave higher too, so it was kind of like I don't, I don't really know what happened there. What up? <laughs> And we have a very special guest all the way from Chicago. Uh, I met this gentleman back in November at the ISC conference, and uh, we spoke on a panel together um, about diversity and and who better to speak with again about, you know, especially with the climate going on, about diversity and how, you know, the initiatives we can take as a community to to forward that message. Uh, Mr. Jake Payne from uh, Chicago Fire Supporter Group, Black Fire, is with us on the internet today. Cheers. What up, Jake? Cheers, 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 What's cheers, up, cheers. Uh, damn, this is how I know you enjoyed ISC, because that was in January, bro. <laughs> damn. I thought it was back in November. But yeah, shit. <laughs> before, and we're also a Chicago Red Star Supporter Group, too, but... Okay. Yeah. Before we jump off into our our customary first question, Jake, I need you to educate our um our wonderful listeners on what you're drinking right now because that's a big topic of discussion for us. Yeah. So I'm glad we held off on this. So um, I lived in a city called Cologne in Germany. My uh, mom's side of the family is from Germany and believes, but like, um, you know, it's both going on. But there's a beer in Cologne, Germany called Kölsch. Um, and I've been looking for this brand forever and they finally have it in like the, uh, beverage depot in Chicago. Nice. They nice. finally have a six pack of like what they sell in Germany. So I'm, uh, sipping on that for this, for this podcast. Oh awesome. yeah. Cheers so the brand that. name is also called Kolsch. So that's the style. So like if they sell in America, it's called Kolsch style ale. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like the beer is called Kolsch. There's like. Frucose, there's Gapple, there's Scion, which is what I'm drinking now, there's Suna, there's a bunch of different ones, but um, that's what I'm sipping on now. Hell yeah, man. Well, no, we're glad to, we're glad to have you and your very um, cultured palate of, of suds over there. Um, yeah, well, dude, it's, it's, it's a trip, man, and I think we, uh, when Sam, you know, rec- recommended you come on, I was like, we've already been in talks about different things. 
that um, we'll tell the listeners in a bit. But um, no, we're just excited to have you on, bro. And as custom, we want to hear, I think this is a nice, nice way to situate our listeners, is um, what's your first football memory, man? Like, what's the first thing you think about when you, when you think about the game of football? Yeah, so first ever is like my failed soccer career at eight. Um, there's a thing in Chicago. I don't know if they have it in L.A. I'm not sure if it's an American thing, but it's like called AYSO. Yes, sir. Yeah. I think um, it started in California. I was in that and that's like the picking flowers while you're on defense kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> um, so, like, that's my earliest soccer memory. And I remember – the, I think Northwestern women's team doing a soccer camp that I was in. Um, so, like, in terms of earliest, that's the earliest I've done. Uh, it's like playing at eight, uh, just because, like, when my grandfather would come over from Germany and stuff like that, like, he'd kick the ball around and stuff, and I was, like, took an interest in it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's come on and off. I'd say at this point in my life, it's the most intense it's been in terms of, like, me being into soccer. But that's pretty much where it started. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And um, can you just talk about like what Chicago is like for um, soccer? I know, depending on if it's, you know, purely like a city sport or suburban sport, soccer is kind of dominated the suburbs, even from Jersey, where I'm from, right, compared to like, um, in Queens, where my homies were at. So like, was, uh, was soccer kind of like top of mind for a lot of people and a lot of kids when you were growing up? Or was it just kind of, um, you know, the third or fourth sport, like basketball and football is for most kids in America? Yeah, it's interesting. That's actually a really interesting question. It's like, um, at least where I'm from, which is Evanston, which is like north, like north suburbs. Yeah. Not like super north suburbs, but like still not part of Chicago. Um, we have like a lot of Caribbean and African descendants who played soccer in like high school and stuff. Um, so that was a first choice for them. But for like everyone else in terms of high school, um, it was – not really top of mind um and like it's kind of a hard question because I've like moved around a lot in my life so like I've seen different perspectives of it but like in terms of purely Chicago I would say like in speaking from it right now in terms of like where I see it it's like people are really invested in Premier League like Bundesliga, Serie A, stuff like that but in terms of like MLS uh, and to a certain extent, NWSL, people are kind of, like, growing into it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, our rec scenes – I played rec soccer for a little bit. Our rec scenes are, like, former players and stuff. So, like, the passion is there. It's just making sure those passions are in the right places in terms of growing the game. Gotcha, gotcha. So, how, so explain the journey of – so when you were eight, you, that's your first football memory. What's the memory that, that you actually switched and became a soccer fan and became passionate about the game? Yeah, so um, what was it? 2006 World Cup was a good lead-in because that was when it was in Germany. Yeah. Uh, for me, that ended tragically, and I feel like putting myself out there because I know you mother – you – <laughs> oh, absolutely! I should have worn this shirt if I had known. Mind, okay, <laughs> I'm happy you dudes went on, but like that was not a fun World Cup for me. Oh um, man! But like 2006 really planted it. Uh, I'd say like 2010 is really what picked it up. Um, 
And then, like, as I feel like as I was able to grow up and see more of the world, um, I was able to, like, pull in soccer more into, like, my daily life. Mm-hmm. So, like, growing up, I knew it was there. Like, I knew the teams and stuff like that. Like, my, my grandfather was really big into Dortmund and, and everything. But, like, um, I really, really, really got into it and, like, wanting to be more involved and wanting to be more than just a fan. Excuse me. Um, when when I grew up and, like, hit college and stuff like that. So, like, 2010 was really the, the, springing, the springboard for that. Gotcha, man. And I think that's – I mean, this is really ripe for discussion in terms of German football culture and American football culture mixing up because I know that um, even German um, kind of immigrants have a big, big influence on, like, AYSO programs across the country and all that. And I know we'll, we'll take this uh, discussion international soon enough because that's, that's fascinating. But um, I think when I got interested in MLS again through, you know, the newer expansion teams in MLS, I had known Chicago Fire – um, as kind of one of the the stalwarts of the old game, and so like when um, when Schweinsteiger became the DP of Chicago Fire, and you as a as a Red Stars and a Fire supporter group um, kind of leader over there, like what was that like for you? As are you a German? First of all, are you a German national team fan as well as a USA national team fan? Or how does that work? Not USA national team, definitely German. Um, yeah. So I know you guys are going to want to poke fun of that. <laughs> I think me and Sam already got out of the way, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for me, I wasn't, like, honestly speaking with you guys, I wasn't a Fire fan until Spinesiger came over. Like, I wasn't really invested in MLS or anything like that. Um, I had done lightly some work. Like, I did a soccer statistics internship in college where, like, we did a lot of work with the U.S. women's team and NWSL. What so I knew that was a like, What? What? Yeah. That's available. That's yeah, crazy. with a company okay. called uh, ProZone. They're, okay. like, part of a company called Stats now. But, yeah. Shout out um, to and Stats. That's wild. That's awesome. Yeah, now it's Stats. Uh, they didn't hire me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, then F them, but keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they at the time I was, like, looking at them, they were playing in Benedictine, and I did, like, which is a suburb, like, super south in Chicago. Yeah. So I didn't have a car, so I was like, how am I going to be able to get there? Um, but, like, it started with, like, like you guys are saying, like, Schweinsteiger coming to fire. I got super into them. Um, and then Red Stars, I was like, well, why not support women's soccer? Like, you know, this is – this is they have so many national team players. And, like, that's not even an excuse. Like, it's just good soccer. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of, like, the story behind that. Yeah, man. On, on that note, and I think that's something that, um, you know, our good friends Mark and Lindsay Rojas are, are at, you know, trying to, trying to lead the charge here in L.A. is bring NWSL to L.A. But um, that, you know, that, that equation is out there for a lot of people in terms of, like, how we as LAFC supporters would support the women's game, whether that's an LAFC team or a Galaxy team, but for a women's league, and how, how more important that would be for LAFC to really take the charge on that. So what's that experience been like for you? To, to support both a men's and women's league and a women's team in your um, your home state? I don't think it's really any different. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like it's actually a blessing. It's like double soccer. Like, you yeah. know, you, you go to a men's or a women's game on Saturday and then Sunday, like, you might be hungover or whatever, but, like, okay, wait, like, is there another home game? Is there a away game watch party? Like, it's yeah. really a blessing just having two in the same – 
like city and i hope more dude i just like i imagined a back-to-back and i just like immediately felt a hangover i felt my (laughs) voice already gone my shoulders are sore as shit like i don't know I honestly don't know if, like, I could handle back-to-back. Because I I don't know about you, Spice, because – but, like, I I still remember what I feel like the day after match days. You know what I mean? It's not great. Bro, I go go to church after after, um, a Saturday game, so I'm feeling good, bro. Me and me and me. (laughs) No, it's – I mean, that's that's important. I think, man, the LAFC community, and I'm sure Chicago feels very similarly, is, like, the family you build around the tailgate and the build around, you know, the game itself, but mostly like the before, the before of it, right. The six hours, eight hours leading to it is why we fell in love with this club and this team. And so you're right. I think having an extra day and having similar colors being flown out back to back, I think that's incredible, man. I think, and even to the fact that a woman's match might be on Saturday and then the men's would be on Sunday. And the fact that we, we would bring it both days, I think, while um, I think I would have to pick up a, a certain endurance, you know, um, chemically or otherwise, like it, it means something that we can have a back-to-back day. So with Slim, I'm, I'm signing you up. When NWCL comes to LA with an LAFC team, we're going back-to-back. You will be hosting right. both, um, both canopies at your house. So you'll be bringing that every fucking day. And we'll be grilling, so that'd be great. So I'm with you. I'm with you, Jake. I just want to say I'm with you, Sam. We have to win them over. That's what's, that's what's going on right now. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I think like not to throw off the podcast, but it's also just like what's right, you know. Like women's sports had been erased a lot in just the world in general, and um, you know, just watching like Red Stars versus Thorns or something like that, you see the talent that's out there, um, and then you look at how many teams are in the league, and it's like seven or eight. Like, yeah, that's not enough. Like, you know, you're not giving the avenues for women's soccer to grow in the country, so. Um, you see places like Louisville and like hopefully LA, like you guys got so much money over there. Like I'm sure someone will step up or like even Mia Hamm is like part of LAFC's investment group. Like, you know, hopefully she'll make moves towards that. But, um, you know, it's just like the sport needs to grow outside of just men's soccer. So, um, we'll see how that happens, especially with like the coronavirus taking a pause and everything. But. Um, hopefully real people realize that like it's just as important as growing MLS so yeah man I think we're with you like this podcast is obsessed with growing the game of football here in the states and I think that's yeah. pretty big that's such a that's half the equation of it right is like the fact that AYSO teams are pretty equal in number up to a certain age point where you know girls feel like they can't they don't have the, a ceiling to reach anymore I think that's incredibly sad right and so I applaud what the the Red Stars have been doing. Like even you know our friends in Portland and the Portland Thorns. I think I'm I'm whenever we get to travel again, I'm looking more forward to um you know seeing 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 the Portland Thorns play you know as part of that that Portland experience. And I think that that can be really packaged here in LA. And I think that's what you know the advocates of this game has been really um talking about, including Mark and Lindsay, who have been such a big charge of it. So yeah, man, it's cool. I I, I love seeing the. The Women's World Cup growing interest and um, and and just talent every single year. I think we need to be a part of that equation, especially with how dominant the U.S. women's team is being right now. For sure. And staying on growing on the game, it's um, you know we're talking about growing the presence of women's football, and I think right now 
um, I think with uh, the Black Fires, you guys are kind of trying to grow the the Black community in soccer supporter culture. So tell me about how that got started. Yeah, so um, one of my co-hosts, or co-hosts, I'm not, I don't have a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a podcast man. Drink more, drink more. <laughs> um, one of my co-founders named Phil, um, so when I first, so like my first year being in so- fire supporter them, people wanted me to be on the board. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but sure, why not? Yeah. Um, the person who ran quit. So like I was about to do my acceptance speech. I see Phil sitting next to the stage and it's like, he's the only other black person I've seen in Chicago soccer up to that point. So we're like, mm. like, <laughs> that's my dude. Like, and like, when I was up on stage, like, I just pointed out, like, man, like, I, like, feel like I'm, like, the first board member of color in the, in Section 8, mm-hmm. and, like, this has been a group that's been around for 20 years, like, that's really sad, um, yeah. so, like, just through regular avenues, I picked up talking with Phil and stuff like that, and we're like, man, we need to change this, like, um, I think at that point, Atlanta had come into the league, um, and I think they speak with themselves as to like involving the black community in the growth of the game and like Chicago. And I keep harping the fact that people like Chicago has the third biggest, um, I don't know what fact checkers you've hired, but <laughs> I think Chicago has like the third biggest black population in the nation. Yeah. Um, you'd never know that from our stand. You'd never know that from the outreach that the club has made and stuff like that. So we were like, man, like we want to change this. Like we want to turn this around. Um, The same barriers that we had to fight through to like get to love this team of like feeling like the only black person there. Like, I'm not sure if you guys have felt that in LA or anything, but like feeling like the only part of an ethnic group at a soccer game, like that's a super uncomfortable feeling. Um, and we just didn't want anyone to like you you deserve to go through that like in terms of like if you feel that you have validation that feeling but we didn't want people to like feel like that because there wasn't people at the game looking like them so we really wanted to grow from there Um, we've taken some big steps so far Mm -hmm. Uh, we have more to take but um, that's kind of like where we started from yeah man and I think we um Sam and I, you know, are part of the same SG, and I think we we felt this kind of unconditional love towards our Asian community, and I think knowing the passion that we have and trying to figure out, like, how we can, you know, navigate this new LAFC space together and, like, bring more of our our folks in and really testing the boundaries of inclusion, right? I think that's, that's been big for us is, like, you know, how how set are you in your ways and how set are you in, in adopting new people's perspectives and POVs. Right. And I think, um, for the most part, because it's a new club, um, it's been, it's been very open to that, like almost every step of the way. Right. And it's through matters of injustice and through matters of, um, kind of even ignorance in this, in some ways where people, I like, just didn't understand like, Oh, this was like offensive to Asian folk, or this was offensive to, you know, a certain thing that we, we had culturally. And um, they, they like the the council of three two five two have been very receptive towards that. Like, and so we felt that you know firsthand. I think, um, and at the same time, like you as the first, you know, like one of the, one of the few, and maybe even first, like 
uh, people of color on the board, black people of color on the board of, you know, Section 8. It must, you know, must have felt a type of way for a club that has some legacy and that has some, um, that has some standing in the, in the American game already. So that's what we're about too, man. Like we feel that and we want to introduce the more voices we have in that council um, of color and more uh, voices we have there, I think it's for the best of betterment of the game in all ways, man. And I think I wanted to, to kind of talk about your, you got to change initiative ideas that you posted on your social media recently um, after the brutal murder of um, George Floyd. And of course the response of, I think just the generational systemic, you know, um, racism that has inflicted the black, black community here in this country. But man, this is like straight up, like, it's very comprehensive. And, and I think a lot of ways, like you say a lot of big ideas, but there's a lot of bullet points. There's a lot of things that the fire um, can do better that, that we as a society can do better, man. So can you walk us through some of like the main points? I see some of like the short term, near future and more longer term goals here. But as a person of color on the board, as a leader of black fires, like, what are you advocating for right now? For sure. I mean, so um, I think one thing that Fire fans got confused. It's like, this is not me coming from a board position. Like, if I wasn't on the board, um, I would have come out with the same thing. Like, this mm-hmm. is just the right thing to do for a time. So, it really comes from a place of, like, you know, um, I think it comes from a place of me. And it's not just me. It was It's the entire um, Black Fires that, that came up with the idea, like, really collaborated on what we wanted to see going forward. But like for me personally, I've worked as a black person in tech for a very long time. Um, And I see people say that they're going to change or like say that they're about an initiative and not follow through with it. Um, So I thought from that standpoint and also from what I would just see personally um, that soccer is not doing. So if you haven't seen it, just to sum it up, a lot of it has to do with just like, um, just like being recognizing. I think the step is the first step is recognizing these places exist. Like um, outside of the bowls, these are communities in the south and west side of Chicago that really get ignored by every other team in Chicago. Like the White Sox make a certain ask, like a certain reach towards it the cubs don't even bother the blackhawks like are like one one hundredth into it mm-hmm. the bears like they don't have to do anything just because it's a now foul team so like they're mm-hmm. able to build no matter what mm-hmm. but like i don't like i'm in a position that i feel like maybe it sounds entitled but like i'm in a position where it feels like i'm in a position to make sure that doesn't continue with the fire or the red stars like you know what i mean like the initiatives were mostly for the fire because they set out these November 1st initiatives and I knew they didn't kind of have a plan towards what they were going to do for November 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's mainly why, but there's things that the Red Stars can learn too. And like maybe even LA, like you guys have a huge black population there. Like, you know, and that came after, but I think like in terms of what the question you're asking, like it really came from a place of like, all right, like what, have black fires been thinking about for almost two years now um, that we need to see to, that would help us get people involved in the game. You know what I mean? Like we can only do so much. We're a supporters group. We all got jobs. Like we got stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes to how invested the club is too. 
um because they we had a meeting with them about this and they brought up before we even did about how they didn't say anything during the laquan mcdonald shooting and it's like oh yeah you guys are really crappy at this so um it's <laughs> just like stuff like that like it's just got to change like not because yeah. like you want to make money in black community or stuff it's just what's right like if you really are about growing the game you want it to grow everywhere not just the people who can pay to 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 to, in, to be invested in the growth so yeah, yeah. I mean, even all, all hated Zlatan talked about how nasty it was, how much he had to pay for his kids to be in a decent soccer program when he was out here. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. And like you said, we do have a, a large um, black community in L.A. that I, I don't think we're, you know, we're as tapped into as we could be. Um, I mean, we, we have some representatives like, you know, shout out to Sticks, who's always doing things in the community for the youth and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reason why we wanted to speak with you and we saw that was, you know, so we could learn what you guys are doing and see how we can implement some of those things over here in L.A. Um, yeah, and for the listeners right here, I just want to read out some of the some of the the initiative ideas that um, Jake and the Blackfires have, has, have adopted. It's um, increased availability to players to talk to schools and do workshops in the short term, um, hold practices in the community at local high schools on the southwest side. And then I think it goes, you know, it goes far as, as appointing a diversity inclusion officer and team, preferably a former player. And, um, and then you create, invest, create and invest events in the community itself, free tickets for members of the South and West side. And I think these are all, and, and the, the, the also near future is like planning sessions, recognitions for Black History Month and other Black, black holidays, including Juneteenth, which LAFC is trying to adopt right now. And um, I think this is really important, man, because I think, Black supporters and black fans have been so important to almost every large cultural city in the state, right? Like, um, like throughout. And I think I've seen the difference when, um, like, our creative director at is black, Marcus. Is, and then because his leadership, like, he is able to speak to not only, you know, the white community that comes to our games, but especially the Latino and Asian communities that still may not be very well versed in terms of what systemic racism means, what Black Lives Matter means currently. And so that point of having, you know, a, a, a Black person in leadership, whether it's DNI or otherwise, I think is really important to how the club in this, in this kind of progressive game naturally here in the States can think and, and will ask for change. And so I think these are all really spot on in terms of not only representation, but also like, you know, let's get people out here who like don't really care about the game right now. Like we need to find new ways to get this. And I think that this is all mutually beneficial in, in, in the long run because we want our stadiums to look like our cities. And I think that's something that Sam and I attest to, and I'm sure that you, you feel as well. Yeah. It's, it's super cool, man. I think that's LAFC has, um, um, through the leadership of Marcus, has taken on, like, petitioning for Juneteenth to become a national holiday. And these are things that I didn't know, like, like I grew up on the East Coast, similar to what, you know, the Cubs and the Bears are as institutions, the Knicks, especially I've been shitting the fucking bed right now. But the Yankees themselves, like, it's like, they, I thought a pro sports team was only allowed to speak in, like, really – PR bites and all that shit, but a club can stand for more. And I think that we want more out of this game. And I think that all three of us here in this in this chat are pushing for that shit, man. Yeah, like I didn't like honestly, I didn't want to derail the podcast or anything, but like something I've been thinking about since ISC because 
um, Sam, when he was there, talked about, like, the motif of the rising sun flag. And, like, I took Japanese, like, most of my life, like, Japanese language, and, like, that didn't even occur to me. And, like, thinking about, like, how often that pops up in soccer for some reason, it's just, like, what? Like, why? Like, and, like, you guys doing the work to, like, educate people, but, like, what what's, what are, like, not to, like, put you guys in the interviewer chair, but, like, what are some things that you guys have had to work with? Because um, I feel like we have similar goals here of, like, um, I feel like the like Asian communities in general, as well as black communities in MLS get kind of, like, and M- NWSL get glossed over. Um, what are some things that you guys have had to do um, in terms of, like, growing your group to – get your risk, get your goals recognized, stuff like that? Um, I mean, yeah, the first major thing we did was when, when Josh and Sujin, our other leaders, saw that Rising Sun uh, motif that the, the Portland Timbers were using for when they scored goals, uh, what they called the big-ass flag. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's those types of things. It's getting Asian people into our community – uh, at the games, it's doing outreach to better our communities, little things like planting trees or food drives. Um, but, you know, there's still so much more to do. There's there's more Asian voices to be heard. Um, we're a Korea town group now. I mean, I mean, Josh, Josh has his perspective on it, too. So we'll, we'll let him jump into that. Yeah, no, I think it's we we started off with five Koreans, you know, like maybe five or six Koreans and just being like, we all love soccer. We love the World Cup. We want to make this thing really pop. And I think the fact of the matter is that Koreatown has always represented a diversity of voices and race. And so um, regardless of if you're Korean in Orange County or Korean in New Jersey like me, Koreatown Los Angeles has a like almost a spiritual kind of a home to us, right? It's like it is the largest diaspora population of Koreans outside of Korea. And so Koreans will always find a home there, but also at the same time, the the makeup, the racial makeup of this, of this town that we all live, the city that we live in is like Koreatown is 40% Asian and then 60% Latino, you know? And so we have, I thought the obligation here was to represent Mexican Salvadorian voices and Honduran voices that are in, you know, in our neighborhood and really grow the game from there. And I think that's really proven positive for us because like, people in K-Town, like whether you're Latino or Asian, understand that Latin and Korean culture intertwine, intersect all the time, right? And so we're more willing to hear each other's ideas because we've lived and eaten next to each other for so long. And so that's been a big part of it. I think in terms of like getting more Asian issues recognized, I think I I read this when, um, you know, we put our IG post out and someone, I'm not sure from what fan base they're talking about, but it's like Timbers have been coming away to LA for Galaxy games for like, you know, over 15 years, right? And no one has ever raised bad an eye of it. And I think that was at the core of the issue. I was like, okay, so this is like, that's the truth of it. But I think this is like now the new truth of it. It's like, there's a club willing to embrace more naturally Asian communities. And so this is the first time that I'm seeing, it. you know, this is the first time Sam's seeing it as someone's lived in LA for his whole life. And so the idea that we need to equal and raise voices who have not been heard in the game of soccer, which has been often the most democratic thing, but like I've had, you know, I had friends there when I saw the flag flown for the first time where I was like, do you know what that means? I mean, my Mexican homies and they're like, no, no, I don't know what that means. And I was like, I didn't hold it against them. I was like, Oh, you just don't know because it's not taught anywhere. So it's like, 
and as you said, Jake, it is our job to educate, and we took the time to do so. And I think seeing that result happen was was kind of like a big notch in our belt to be like, yo, this game and this country is willing to listen, and so like let's keep fighting for it. And so that's been it. I, we're proudly a Koreatown group at this point, and that means that we represent like I've you know we march in Mexican Independence Day parades as well as Korean Independence Day parades, you know. And I think. That can be what this game does, man. It is the most democratic game in the whole fucking world. Like, it needs to feel that way from the stands. And we're, we're advocating for that, man. And in our community service and all that, like, that's what we're doing. So it's, 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 it's dope to see how you're reaching out to, you know. That's, I think that's all of us win when we have single victories together, right? No. And, I mean, there's, there's you know, like, because of things like Koreatown and the close quarters and whatnot, the, the relationship between Koreans and Latinos is, is a little more bonded than let's say like a Korean and black community, right? Like with all the things going on with Black Lives Matter and whatnot, I don't, I don't know if Josh has or not, but uh, I was talking to Jake briefly about like long uncomfortable conversations with, with jaded Asians about, you know, stuff from the 92 riots or, you know, Asians that, that have businesses in black communities that that feel like they're being harassed all the time and whatnot. So, you know, trying trying to explain to them, like, you know, not really justify it, but I mean, my my approach has kind of been more like, what's the root of that? And and someone that's only been taught that everyone else is against them, like, how else do they move when when you know when being like a young young man with you know, too much energy in them and, and nothing but anger, like how else would they act, you know? Um, so it's never to r- rationalize or justify what's going on, but, I, you know, just trying to explain that there's a deeper root to things. Um, in in the underlying, you know, it's the kind of, to, to me and my Asian community, it's kind of like an underlying story amongst what's, you know, the bigger picture of what's going on right now. I don't know if you guys have had any experience with that, Josh, or... You know, and it seems like you you might have some Asian friends too because you learned Japanese for a whole bunch of your time, or you just yeah. dated one Japanese girl that got really got into anime. I don't know. Let's go. Always <laughs> one Japanese girl. Shout out, shout out, Sachi, wifey, lover of the pod. We love you. That's Dweez's wife, and we love her, and we wish Dweez and and Sachi so well. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, what's your interaction been with, like, the Asian community at this time, even in the past, man? And, like, even, I think, important for me is, like, what was it like sitting with Sam on a, on a diversity panel? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, like, even <laughs> reacting to him, like, you know, being there of a person of color that you don't necessarily expect. Like, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, so I guess, like, since we're being 100% honest with each other, like, I got into Japanese just because... Um, just for some reason, like, when I was growing up, I learned a lot about Australia, and, like, it was, like, Australia and ja- Japan have a big relation for some reason, so I just, like, started learning from there, um, and, like, getting into their culture and stuff, and, you know, going on with that, like, honestly, like, so, I learned I learned Japanese in Georgia, uh, obviously not a big Asian community there, sure. um, in Chicago, things are so separate, segregated that, like, if you're not actively going to Asian communities, you're never going to run into that. Mm. Um, like, I knew people who were of, like, Asian descent, but, like, not 
direct access with those communities, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I'll, that all changed when I moved to Palo Alto, California. Um, okay. That was a big change for me because up until that point, like I hadn't really been, I haven't, I hadn't been shown that side where you like, you know, I think like one of the things you're seeing now is like, there's a difference between reading and hearing about how a community interacts and actually being in it and like how it is like in your life. You know what I mean? Like you can read all you want about how, um, the 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 Asian community struggled like in California and stuff like that. But like when until you actually see it and talk to people there, you 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 can't understand totally. Yeah. So um that's something that really hit me a lot. So that's why when I went to ISC and like Sam was on that panel, I was like, this makes total sense. Like, you know, it's focused a lot on Hispanic and Latino populations for sure. And I understand that because those are huge populations in Chicago who have a big investment in soccer. But like when it comes to black and Asian, like these are countries or or not countries, but communities that like could possibly be very invested in that. Mm -hmm. And the powers that be don't see that as like a marketing opportunity because the dollar amount is so small. So Mm -hmm. I was actually really happy uh, not to stand TSG, but <laughs> I was really happy to like see Sam there, get to talk to him. Like Sue Jin finally followed me back on Twitter. I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> she's a tough one, man. She's a tough one. I, I yeah, but, she's, a, she's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, no. I mean, like for me, I think like living in California and actually seeing it with my own eyes of like, okay, like the like the Chinese ban in America. Like I didn't know people were actually banned from China and like being in this country. Like that's wild. Like I wouldn't have known that if I didn't live in California and just like knowing the struggles that Asian people have had in this country too, that get glossed over. Like um, that's why I like, like to loop, loop back. Like that's why I'm really glad to see PSG doing what they do. Sam being on that panel with me, like that, that really made me feel really good. And like seeing the guy, the work you guys continue to do. So um, that's kind of my feeling on it. Yeah, man. Well, speak on the work. Yeah, Josh, why don't you speak on the work that you guys kind of did the last week about, you know, our little, little surprise drop coming. How much should we drop, bro? <laughs> Dude, I think, I mean, it's, uh, I just saw David's kind of uh, sketchbook today is Photoshop Adobe Suite right now. It's, it's looking pretty crazy right now. And, uh, and for LAFC fans, I know that, um, you know, I love it guys. TSG just, you know, we, we, we come out with, we come out with some, some fire, dude. So, uh, <laughs> fire and, and, uh, black fires should be, should, should be one in the same. And so we will be making, uh, we're making a collaborative t-shirt, um, in support of black lives matter. Um, across the country, and we'll be donating proceeds to um, organizations both in California and Chicago. And so we have some um, some T-shirts and merch coming out for you guys, hopefully to build this bond, um, not only between the Black and Asian communities, right, but like the the footballing game here in this country. So, no, look out for that. Honestly, Jake, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at like why why I should make a Shopify account right now, and it's like very stressful, like because I can't do DM nonsense anymore. Sam, I was literally just on on it for forty minutes looking up Shopify benefits and shit. So, no, it's good, man. Honestly, like merch speaks a lot. I believe in the power of clothing, and um, 
Jeez, I just said that. I believe in the power of love. It's true. I believe in it. But I think that we can. <laughs> You're a vain motherfucker. I know. Hey, we all, <laughs> we all got streetwear roots somewhere. Streetwear at its core wasn't a political fucking message on a t-shirt that was $10, right? So, like, we can do that shit right now with supporter culture. Like, I feel like, you know, they're kind of talking. They're cousins of each other, right? So, um, Jake and I and our designer, David, have been talking about a project together. And um, we're really excited for you guys to see it. Jake and I both have a lot of deliberation to do, but um, it's going to be sick, man. And it's weird. I think LA and Chicago as cities, like, don't naturally have, like, an opposition nor a brotherhood together. So I think this is going to be really great, you know, through the relationship of ISC and through soccer together to be like, we can do something, you know, and we can grow this game together. We can, we can help communities together. So really excited for that. Jake, do you have anything to say about this, um, this uh, profanity-laden press release right now? No, I mean, like I was saying, like, um, I know, first of all, those scarves you guys made, I already told, I, I missed the part where, like, if you donated to GoFundMe, like, I just missed that completely, but those scarves are sick, like, you guys created some crazy fire, even if one of them celebrated South Korea winning over Germany, I'll get over <laughs> it. <though. laughs> but, hey, um, you'll get no, the scarf I mean, like, on the t-shirt, bro, don't worry about it, bro, we'll send it, we'll send it, we'll send it, we'll We'll leave that off the, the, the collab shirt. But, I mean, like like you guys are saying, like, I mean, like, you guys are a community. Like, I put in the, in, the, in, the, in the message where I even brought this up of, like, we're both communities that, like, don't have the representation or the focus of the league of growing. And That's right. to a certain extent, we're kind of allied in that of wanting to get better in that aspect. And like, whether that comes down to us to lead that charge, like, I don't mind. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like if we like took the time in this podcast or just offline or something to really think about, okay, like why do you feel not represented in soccer? We probably have very similar things like to talk about. So, um, I, I really think the shirt is just going to be cool just in a standpoint of like working with a group that I really think is doing good work in soccer and in MLS, but also just the, the standpoint of like, we like when me and Josh were talking about, it, we're making it a standpoint where it's not just strictly Chicago and LA, like there's LA and Chicago aspects, but like, you know, if you live in Nebraska for some reason, like you could be able to rock the shirt, hopefully. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm just super excited to do it, man. It's gonna be super cool. No, it's it's hard, man. And I, Sam, Sam and I always say like, we love LHC as a club because we got to know our neighbors, right? And I think even through this whole podcasting experience, like our idea of a neighbor is 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 growing broader and broader, right? And I think um, what you're talking about before, Jake, was like, you know, you could read up on communities all you want, but until you get to talk to them and this is not face to face, but until you get to know them like kind of more intimately, it's like it'll just be a textbook to you. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's been the leap to people being like, I love black culture. I don't know about black people, which is a lot of the, the, literally the, the division between a lot of us. Like y'all love rap music. Y'all love hip hop. Y'all love movies like that. But like, why can't you take the next step in supporting black people in this struggle? And it really is like, I don't know you intimately like that. And so I think yeah. the more we get in that, in that space, not only through this, but even through LA, which oftentimes can look very segregated as well, is like, yo, we get to we get to know our neighbors through the beautiful game. We need to keep on expanding that as many times and as extensively as we can because that's how we win. That's really how we win, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a fine line between you know sympathy and empathy and and fuck your sympathy. You know what I mean? No. Exactly. Exactly. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, is is there anywhere else you guys want to go with this? Bro, I want to go. I want to go to Germany, man. Yo, talk to me about Germany. Man. There you we go. Have have German do. You got German fandom right here. You will be getting a T-shirt with a Germany fucking flag on it. Like, what? Oh, let's talk about that, man. <laughs> I'm gonna be mad if you guys send me that shirt and not a <laughs> That's just like that's just stomping out of court. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, no, my, my mom's side of my family is German and Belizean. Um and my grandfather's like full on German. He's from Dortmund, like he's a big Dortmund supporter. So that was kind of like my my introduction to it. Um and like I said, it's like a big intro when I when I lived there. I lived there for like eight, nine months um in a city by cologne germany Mm. so that was really a big introduction for me and just seeing like the fan support like even outside the stadium like these like at least cologne is like very invested in their community like their youth programs are really invested they have a lot of people who play for the team that are from the city Oh yeah, it, it it it's all kind of like like you know Green Bay with the Packers, like the town revolves around that club. That may be the wrong thing to say. say, say, say <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying all the things I can team wise to piss you off today. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just saying there's no other team that's like town that yeah, South Korea, like Germany, Chicago Bears and Packers. What's next, man? What else do you guys got? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, we already got I, we already got Suns LA, so like there's just there's just it's just stacking. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't even think about that. Oh man, I I like I'm, this is why I'm the dickhead. Like I inadvertently do dickhead shit. Like it's not like I'm even trying. I'm just a piece of shit. <laughs> can you, can you uh, for our listeners at home, can you um, define your your presence as a dickhead versus being an asshole again? Because I thought that was very illuminating. Damn, bro. You know how I know I'm an extroverted piece of shit? I just say shit and I don't even remember what the fuck I said. What did I say? I think you said, what's, it's something about purposefully offending people other than, rather than like, I'm just saying shit, I don't mean no harm kind of thing. Was oh, that- oh, oh, all right. Like, to me, like, a, a, an asshole, like, is just, you just spew, you just spewing shit out. Okay. But a dickhead, like you're you're penetrating like the the facts and like actually looking into the stuff to talk your shit. Oh, if it's just like, ignorant well, remarks, are, you know, like, like if it's just a, <laughs> yeah, like if you just go up to an Asian, you just call him Jackie Chan or something, like whatever. But if you hit them about like you know like alcoholism because you know that Asians are alcoholic, <laughs> you know something about our fucking culture, and you're allowed to talk your shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, know something about us. Don't just talk shit just because you've seen a fucking kung fu. Movie. Dude, I, you know what? I a hundred percent agree on that. If someone comes at me and they've done their research, what can you say? Yeah, like if you it's, say it's a well like, thought really, out joke. Um, some low hanging fruit racist stuff. Like, come on, exactly. bro. You gotta do more than that. But if you like looked at my Twitter for five years and you bring up some stuff i forgot like okay exactly <laughs> yeah like shit talking isn't is a art it's an art form and it's like it shouldn't be disrespected with low-hanging fruit bullshit 
Like you could you could throw sprinkle it in here and there, but if that's the core of what your shit talking is, stop talking shit because you suck. <laughs> this went off the rails real quick. What the hell were we even talking about before this? I don't remember. Yeah, for us, like we've been the podcast episodes are slowly rolling out, and especially in this time, we want to keep it like powerful and impactful and topical and all that shit. But like. We've been just like, Sam's been drinking a ton on Fridays and doing dickhead hours on Fridays on IG Live. I've just been talking about what the fuck you're watching on Netflix on Mondays. And Dweez is like talking about some transcendent like hippie shit on Fridays and Saturdays. So like, it's been a fun ride for us to kind of, it's like us to recollect all these memories of like, oh shit, like we've been, we actually said shit live, but we haven't had an episode. So we're all trying to reconcile that together. I, I, this has been... Like, no offense to any podcast I've been on before. This has been the chillest one I've been on. That's, like, we're that's just chilling out, man. We're just hanging. Hell yeah. That's, that's what it's all about. Honestly, yeah. If you, if, if, if you were, and all of our guests to this, to the Corona point, to the cur- fucking Corona, for Jesus Christ, is, um, have all been in our backyard, in Dewey's backyard in Exfil Park. And so, like, we've, honestly, I, I get very drunk on these podcasts. I smoke probably, Sam and I split a pack of cigarettes on this podcast easily you know we have three breaks to take a piss during you know what i'm saying like this happens and then sachi like brings us food it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous um kind of funny kind of notion but it should feel like a conversation and i think i'm glad you feel that way brother. yeah yeah man and hopefully we'll, when once you visit la we can have you in the backyard and run it back i know dude we uh, we need to do this i've got backyards in la so <laughs> <laughs> they're out here living I, I live in Chicago and don't even have a backyard. So, is, no, Sam and I, oh, Sam has a backyard. I don't have a backyard. Dweez is a backyard. So, yeah. It's, it's, My backyard's a fucking jungle. So, I mean, we ain't chilling back there because I'm scared to go back there. <laughs> Bro, I, I want to talk about, yo, but growing up, favorite athletes, man. Are you just a big Chicago head? Is, is Jordan on every, every one of your walls? So, basketball might be the wrong way. Hey. Um, you guys can dunk on me if you want. I'm also a Suns fan, so. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Plenty of years of therapy. of years of therapy. Did it start with like <laughs> Charles Barkley or something? No, it was, dude. You know what it was? It was so I went to a Sun Bulls game when I was like six, um, in Chicago. And I was like, man, I just like their colors. I didn't know any better. At some point in my life, I should have just hopped off. But I'm just on this train, man. Which which <laughs> jersey was it at the time? Uh, Kevin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, K- KJ is a fucking legend. He's fucking good. So were you, like, was it the, the, the jersey that had the ball going across it? Yeah. Okay, okay. No, that's when I fucked with the Suns, too, dog. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But no, dude, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. It, it, it. If I could go back in time and tell my six-year-old self, dude, the colors are not worth it. <laughs> you know, I think we really speak our minds and we say some dickish fucking things, but this is the hottest fucking take I've ever heard in my life. Like, so <laughs> the sun's <laughs> the sun's <laughs> I knew, dude, I knew I should not. I knew I should not hey, came on but, my podcast and told you bros that. What What's funny, though, is, like, I think, like, we're talking about how times are changing and stuff these days. Like, I don't know if, like, 
Josh, as a Knicks fan, has any grounds to be laughing at any other team anymore. But honestly, so many Knicks fans bleed for Jordan. Like, it's so ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? I, like, what, I think Jordan or whoever fucking said it, like, you know you beat somebody when they're wearing your shoes. Like, I've, Michael Jordan destroyed the Knicks for my entire childhood, and I have, like, probably $1,000 worth of Jordans in my closet. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's, like, complete and total colonization domination by my Colonization. Colonization. Dude, wow. Colonized my fucking soul and my brain, but it's so wild that seeing a guy, a native son of uh, of, of of Chicago over there, um, can be a Suns fan. But I respect, you know, as a Nick fan, as a struggling person, as a str- really struggling person in real life, I can respect the fuck out of that dude. Right, we might need to mute. We might need to mute Sam on this one. <laughs> Just no, be sad together, guys. A, a fan or something, but I highly doubt that. Okay, when we get together, we could take you guys could take a sad boy shot together. We will. I mean, we'll take <laughs> more shots, but it's it's sad boy is gonna be the first for sure. Um, okay, so the Suns. What are, what are your other teams? Yeah, yeah White Sox, um, Blackhawks, but like hockey's just like. That's a whole nother conversation. That's an entirely different podcast, but like I don't really fuck with hockey anymore. Yo, um, yo give, give me like a give me like a thirty second, like yo, about hockey. Talk to me. Hockey's just racist, bro. That's it. <laughs> hockey's just extra racist. That's all I gotta say. NASCAR um, on ice, baby. Ooh. What? NASCAR on ice. We'll see about NASCAR. <laughs> that Black trying, Lives Matter car came out. That Blue Lives Matter car came out pretty quick. So yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, what else? Um, NFL. I also kind of don't fuck with anymore. But like the Bears, when it when it happens, um, and that's pretty much it. Like I don't really watch Premier League that much. Um. Yeah, so oh, when does he get FC Cologne? Okay. But like nobody really knows about that in the US, but they're the goats. They got goats. It's a goat. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, uh, I don't know what got, animal that We have to, to put be, the but... fucking video up for this one because Josh is doing some stupid ass shit. <laughs> Yo, I mean honestly I wanna I think I wanna have a little convo on Sam and Sam and Jake and I mean, Sam got to actually see Germany and Dortmund, dude. And, like, that's a really rare experience for any fucking Korean cat to do in this time, time and age. But, like, and, Jake, you got the whole experience in, in Cologne. But, like, for you guys, like, sharing yeah, I, what's seen, what's Actually, up. you're right. You're right. I, I do want to know. Because even me, when I was walking around in Dortmund in, what, 2018, was it? 2017? I don't know what year it was. It's your fucking life, Sam. I don't know. I was invited. I, I don't know, man. You should be keeping up with my life, you asshole. <laughs> but um, even me, when I was walking around with one other Korean guy, uh, Marcus, the, the creative director that Josh was speaking about, so one black guy, one Turkish dude, and probably another Mexican guy, like, people were giving us some wild looks, like, you know, like, what the hell are these? Like, why is the United Nations walking around town in Dortmund? But that's um, Dortmund, right? Like, that's Dortmund in particular, rather than Germany being... Very- yeah, so, I mean, Dortmund's kind of like steel country, so it's it, it would be like white Detroit of of Germany, I guess. Right? So if you hear something, that's me getting beer, so... All I'm good, all good. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of what I was talking about. 
yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just talking about that. That from that experience is what I was saying. Like the towns kind of revolve around the club. Like everything's black and yellow over there, and you walk around downtown. Like there's huge BVB stores. You know, like their Nike stores are fully BVB'd out. So, you know, things like that. But yeah, like tell me about your experience there. Like for those eight to nine months that you were out there. For sure. Um, so strictly to Dortmund, I don't think most American Dortmund fans know that there's absolutely nothing to do in Dortmund, but I guess <laughs> they'll figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, like, I think as much as like you're even seeing it now, of, like Europeans being like, well, that doesn't happen here. Like with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, to a certain extent, yes. But like, one thing even Americans are missing is, like, this is just part of the, like, tree. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, police brutality is a aspect of something much bigger. It's, like, a result of more things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Europe tends to pretend that stuff doesn't happen there. However, like, I'm sure you, like, you're saying you ran into, I, I caught a lot of looks, like, gone outside of Signal, doing, like, whatever their stadium's called. And, like, mm-hmm walking around uh Vaughn at like two in the morning and stuff like that. And like it's not this it's not the same look as the US, but it's still just like for example, like so I was in German East Germany in a town called Magdeburg, which is um south of Berlin, mm-hmm. visiting my friend um during the Euro Cup and I was wearing a German jersey. Um, and I was walking around Leipzig, if you know where that is, with, mm-hmm. with the energy drink. Um, but this dude just, like, says to me, like, just in the streets, like, you're not German. Don't wear that. I'm like, okay, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they mm-hmm, have their mm-hmm. own there. And it's not the same as America. It's, I don't think, to me, it's not as extreme as, like, police actively like murdering people in the streets but it's still bad like yeah and just and like for some reason people turn a blind eye to it and i'm not sure why but i think something about like and i'm not going to limit it to just george taylor there's been a lot of black people who are either trans or women who are also just like lost in the conversation but mm-hmm. um, you know, they're they're seeing what's happening too, and for some reason, whether it has to do with quarantine and people having nothing to do but think about this stuff, like mm-hmm. everyone's really looking at themselves. Like there's an article um in a Chicago journalism outlet called The Tribe, where someone who lives in Berlin was talking about what it's like watching this from Berlin. And when I was in Germany, the Ferguson riots were happening and all of that. So I was like yeah a hundred percent like you feel really distant um you know you feel kind of useless like you and ferguson was a lot different because when that was happening like i didn't see tv specials about race or anything in german tv or anything like this person said that they were seeing that now and i'm like man why why now all of a sudden so Mm -hmm. um I think the long-winded way of answering your question is like, yeah, I think like Europe has their own issues about race, particularly like Dortmund and these cities that are like, um, 
the American equivalent of the Rust Belt, like I'd imagine where Schalke is, Gelsenkirchen, they mm-hmm. have the same issues. Um, but, like, just they're not immune to this either. And, like, seeing countries like the UK and stuff like that pretend that that's not happening there is kind of pathetic. But that's yeah, yeah, I mean, 18, 18 countries in all 50 states. Like, if, if, they're, if you know, people, people aren't organizing and galvanizing like that, just just out of boredom there's you know there's a deeper rooted thing going on there and all those places feel it um you know and like you said the the lbgtq community uh especially you know the colored community has felt it and that's why you saw thirty thousand people out in the streets of la to to march for that cause as well so i mean you, you know if if you're really at this point fuck all the news fuck all the media like if you're really trying to figure shit out like look to the streets it, it, there's civil unrest there's, yeah you know. i mean even like there like when i was in europe like living in europe i also lived in a few other places there's a tradition called black pete translated in netherlands i'm not sure if you guys know about it but like um there's a they essentially do blackface around like christmas time sure yeah um, yeah i've seen that shit yeah, and like they announced recently that they're not going to do that anymore. Never in my life did I think that was going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I was like in the Netherlands for when they started doing that. I'm like, like why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And like, there's certain things that are just happening right now where it's like, man, like the Confederate statues being torn down and stuff like that. Like, as 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 much as I feel like most black people are worried about performativism. That's not even a word, but whatever. I get um, what you're saying, yeah. But, like, as much as people are worried about being performative, like, there's shit, there's shit happening that I never thought in my life would happen. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So, at the same end, like, Europe is really tackling this, too, of having TV specials about race. And, like, you see England, like, dumping slave owner statues into into their into the rivers and stuff like that and you just be like hmm like this is really this really might be different and i think just keeping that energy going forward of like being like not feeling not getting tired out by the conversation of race if you're white um is is going to be key going forward so or even like what, what you're doing sam with like your Asian friends and stuff like that, like just continuing that conversation with everybody because there are parallels, you know what I mean? Like not in an all lives matter way, but like there's parallels to, to, to what Asians have done, have been treated like in this country as opposed to black people. Like, absolutely. They're yeah. not the same. Like you guys might even have some stuff to be like, yeah, we, we might've ran into this a little bit harder than you guys. Like it's not a competition, but it's just about making sure things are, going forward that like everyone's on the same page and making sure like this stuff doesn't happen going forward so yeah man i mean i i think i want to just run into i think we can actually just fucking run into deep in the bag right now because like in the 2018 world cup it's france and croatia right and i try to ignore very very right right wing pundits because they're stupid as fuck but there was actually some people being like there was a white white right-wing pundit who was saying like look at how powerful uh a single ethnic race is and a country is versus multiculturalism and he was saying look at croatia you know it was mostly white and 90 percent white and like look at how powerful they are 
according um, compared to the disarray of the French fifty majority black national team. And I was like, I didn't want to fucking submit to any of that because I respected Croatia a lot and shit. And I, he didn't speak for them as new fucking English guy who spoke for that. But at the end of the day, you know, um, a lot of the a lot of the discourse around the French winning the World Cup again with a largely majority um, black French players was like, we are only French when we win and we are African when we lose. Mm-hmm. And I think when you talk about Europe or even here in the States, like there is an, there is an aspect of that, right? Like the biggest fucking disrespect slap in the face is like he, like that's part of our discourse is like he's a credit to the black race or he's a credit to the Asian race, all that fucking bullshit. But there is a beauty in multiculturalism that I still will fight for as someone who is Asian American here and that's trying to understand the identity together. But at the same time, like the identity, the idea that an American is the white Westerner versus the American that is the multicultural is something that I think this generation will have to define again and again about what an American is. As the Europeans in the Netherlands, in France, in England will have to define that. I mean, look at Raheem Sterling, you know, in a Premier League context about how much shit he's been given. I fucking hate the team that he's played for, but I'm like, the way that the press treat him and the way that he buys houses for his family and all this fucking bullshit. We've seen that here in the States as well. So it's like multiculturalism on a global stage for in the game of football is absolutely so racially heavy. And it is for a lot of people an experiment, which is stupid as fuck, I think. And so I think that I just want to hear your thoughts on this, um, on Jake and both Sam just being like, as people have been to Europe and like seen this shit happens, like multiculturalism, taken on a new country's nationality for club for country like what that what that means to you guys because sam and i have a discussion about korea all the time about what we would pick if we were actually good at soccer but yeah i want to hear your thoughts uh do you want me to go first sam yeah yeah sure yeah so um just to level with you guys because i think we're having a good conversation here it's like this kind of goes into why i don't fuck with the u.s national team like um not only was it like working with them, but it's like at the same time you see the injustices happening here. And like, you expect me to go cheer for the country that like watches this stuff happen. Like, you know, like you could probably say that about Germany. Like Germany has a lot of bad stuff going on too, but like in terms of directly affecting me, like, you know, they, they don't recognize Eddie Hawkins, who's like one of the first, um, black U.S. national team players. Like, I had to actively dig for that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think it does come to that nationalism of, like, you see it with Bar- Balotelli of, like, man, I don't really feel like going all out for Italy because um, how I'm treated, like, how this country treats people who look like me, like, I don't really, like, want to go that extra mile. And, like, if in the in the case of France is really sad because like when I went to Paris, um, and you know what what's sad is like I know better. Like I studied politics when I was in Germany, um, so I should know better. But when I went there, I was like, man, there's a lot of like black African people here. Like mm-hmm. it's not the stereotypical thing of like a, a white dude wearing a beret smoking a baguette. Like it's not like that. Like the updated version of Paris is like an African person just taking the train. Um, and 
to see countries like France, to a certain extent, Germany, with how they treat Turkish people um, or like Turkish immigrants, like with England, with like Raheem Sterling and what they tried to do with Marcus Rashford today, like um, you just see like these people of color work extra to be to represent their country, you know what I mean? Like, and that's pathetic because it goes to a bigger issue and not to like ramble, like I hate rambling, but I, I know I'm doing it on this podcast, but like black World War II vets, like mm. gave everything for their country and came back and got treated like shit. Like, and to see that continuing to happen with like, it's not the same thing, war and soccer, but like to see French nationals give their all to like win the world cup come back and then people will be like well they're not really french they're from uh, morocco or they're from like uh uh ethiopia or something it's like damn like what else do you want me to do um and i definitely see that with the u.s team where to the point where like they're paid to play like prices out the exact people that they would want to abuse in that situation so um it's just pathetic man like I don't like I, I I like German soccer a lot. I if I had to choose a national team, I'd choose them even for the women's team, but like that's kind of why I don't really fuck with national teams in general. It's kind of like there's so much identity politics that go into it of like, okay, we want someone who's really German or like we want someone who's really American. Like it's not about that. It should be who's ready to represent for your country, who's ready to give it their all for what they believe in um and go from there and it's just not like that right now so yeah man hopefully that changes but um that's kind of that's kind of the summary on that yeah and it's and it's wild man i was just reading yeah i mean but what's up no no go ahead i think with um with marcus rashford right now and i just i i, I did some fresh reading on it so i'm like i'm top of mind for that stuff but Marcus is is a player born in Manchester who has achieved a, a star status and has benefited from the same meal program that he's advocating for. And he just needs to be it for him, he's you know a model citizen, a perfect person, you know, for this thing. But it needed to be that way. And that's very unfortunate that he needs to be fucking Jesus in Manchester for him to get kids food you know from from the british government when they're struggling with all and all that stuff and so there's a thing where it's like you know he's one of our own and all that stuff but i think that his blackness in a lot of ways is because he is the perfect character and i think that you know i've seen throughout american history even perfect characters being 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 tossed aside murdered all that shit and so for the fact of the matter is that that still holds true for ethnic groups in this country and even in Europe where it still was white majority based, the perfection required of ethnic minorities is, is what it takes for you to push major envelopes of policy and social good. And I think that's, that's, I still believe multicultural at the end of fucking that because I think that's beautiful things that can happen through everyone interacting within the same country and nationality together. But it, it really is a sad state of affairs when it takes a perfect person to talk about injustice. And I think that's that's where I see it right now. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I think, like like you were saying, like it's it sucks that yeah, I mean we saw with the Jay Farrow incident recently yeah. where he got you know yeah. he got stopped because they're looking for a black man that fits a description or whatever. Um, and it's and he has to prove his celebrity status to to get out of a situation. You know, like there was another viral video where they said like uh, cop tries to arrest an FBI agent and and you know embarrasses himself or whatever so it's like that type of stuff like you were saying like you like you have to be doubled up on your goodness when you're a person of color to get not even special treatment just fair treatment you know what i mean and that's that's where the discrepancy is okay see when i try to use big words it gets all fucking mumbo jumbled up discrepancy is um but yeah, I mean that that's that's kind of where where we are and it's 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 slowly people that have those privileges are starting to realize those privileges and that's probably the biggest thing about what's going on right now and that's why like Jake said we just got to keep keep that energy going um keep pushing through it. And you know, even Mark Anthony K said when he was in Louisville like he had gotten pulled over and you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not stressing it that much because it's Louisville and I'm a professional soccer player here. They can Google it. Like, and it, you know, like black, it, it, it's kind of like black people aren't safe unless they're Googleable. You know what I mean? And that's Ooh, fucking wild. Yeah. But even like, like you're saying, like, even, I don't know if you know the J. Cole song Neighbors, but like this dude is J. Cole and still had the cops on him and they didn't like, what if there's not the time for them to Google? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, there's plenty of situations of like cops just busting in and just being like, you know, asserting their authority before knowing who they are. And like, I think that's a discourse in the black community right now. It's like, you see a lot of na- of lawyers, like black lawyers and doctors and stuff, being like, "Well, I'm a doctor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I should have a place in society. Like, it's not like that. Like, your race shouldn't affect whether you live or die in the confrontation mm-hmm. with." like yeah it shouldn't come to that like i don't make that much money every year i don't have a job right now but like i don't have that much money a year like does that mean i'm i deserve to die or like you know the thing that happened in atlanta like you dude was drunk as hell literally sleeping in a in a drive-thru in wendy's like does he deserve to die because he wasn't a doctor like mm. it just is like it's it's just you know, it's just disappointing the kind of discourse happening in this country right now of, like, who, you know, you see, like, these these Twitter comments or, like, comments from politicians whose job this is to, like, advance laws to change this, of being, like, um, what were they doing? Or, like, when, like, the dude who got killed in Georgia, it's hard to remember all these damn names now, but, like... Yeah got killed by not even police just random people just going down the street assuming he was a criminal yeah like he was just jogging and they pulled up a crime he did in 2008 like bro it's 12 years later like people Mm -hmm. can grow yeah it's just disappointing man and it's just it's it's unnerving not to like make i'm sorry for apologizing on time someone told me not to do it but like (laughs) um it's just uh, for me personally it's just disappointing to like think about the kid I want to raise or think about myself like when I have a family and stuff like that and just think about all these extra hoops I have to jump through just to make sure I come back 
and know I can continue to like put into that. You know what I mean? Especially with the stuff of like black people suddenly like coming up on trees being hanged. Like, yeah, what the hell's going on with that that shit? A weather pattern, like, and people are treating it like it's just some regular thing. Like, that could be me in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like it's just crazy that people are just constantly invalidating the feeling that black people have of like, man, we are really on this video game in like new game plus of like having to survive and like think about all this extra stuff just to enjoy life. Like me going home from a bar at 2 a.m. Like I make sure that like in my white ass neighborhood that like I'm not walking directly behind a white woman at 2 a.m. because I know if she turns around and she says like she thinks the wrong thing, that could be the end of me. Like the police will be there. They'll be chasing after me. So I just leave like a block and a half to make sure that there's like extra room and like, if they turn a corner and make it a big deal that like I'm not turning the corner after them. So it's just like, it's just exhausting, man. Like it's just really exhausting. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine, man. I mean, I even, even me just like before all, all the black lives matter stuff going on and the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor stuff, you know, like, even myself with all the COVID-19 stuff, I wasn't comfortable just walking around like, you know, just being an Asian dude with the mask sometimes, you know what I mean? Or I'm a smoker. So like, you know, sometimes I have to cough, you know what I mean? So not being able to cough in public. And then when, once all this stuff happened, you really sit down again to think like, Hey, Asian people, like think about, you know, when you felt that for that little bit of time and, and, multiply that by how how old you are right now you know what i mean like that that feeling is is a very daunting heavy feeling that you just have to walk around with all the time so yeah yeah, we can talk about this like like offline or whatever you want but like for you guys like what was it like with covid like being the thing from china and like Yo, motherfuckers don't think about, like, the difference between Asian people sometimes. Um, Yeah, not at all. What was it, what is, like, what has it been like before then, maybe that L.A. people or, like, the community around you would assume about you? And, like, what was it like also after COVID, like, um, for people? I think think we're lucky because we live in, in L.A. and it's just, it is a little more diverse. And most of the time people are in in the confines of their cars. So they're not, you know, it's not like New York, which is probably the most racist fucking place in the United States. (laughs) Like, you know, people are bumping shoulders all day, every day. Like if you, you know, if you want to be racist in California, you kind of got to make an effort. You got to get out of your car, find a group of whoever the fuck you don't like and start talking your shit. Like New Yorkers and stuff, they're, they're walking somewhere and they'll run into whoever they want to talk shit to every, you know, every couple minutes. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, like it, it was an uneasy feeling. Like you said, nobody knows the difference between Chinese and Koreans. And I think black people are, people of color are like, it's, it's a racial thing systemically, which is, you know, worse because it affects your livelihood. Uh, you know, it affects your safety. Whereas Asian people, it's, it's, I, I feel like we're the last group of people that, it's kind of okay to be openly racist for jokes about in America. You know what I mean? Like, you know, 
like all the Asian jokes are still very low hanging fruit. Nobody really knows that much about Asians because, you know, Asians just keep to themselves all the time and shit. Um, so it's, it's, it's weird. Like there's some Asians who are jaded, who have felt some type of racism or someone they know has been a victim of racism in a community, like whether it be, uh, you know, black or Latino or white, like there are a lot of jaded Asians as well. So it's, it's kind of, you know, working through their pains and, and speaking on those things and, you know, why, why a community feels like you're an enemy in the community because, you know, like Asian people start up these businesses in impoverished communities and never give back to the community because they're giving to their church. Things like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a deeper rooted thing that people, you know, when you have all the information in the world at, at your fingertips, you're, you're, you're not going to take much time to dig deep into anything. You're taking everything at surface level and everything at surface level is division until you kind of dig deeper and find the root of that division. You know, like the 1965 Immigration Act that Black people fought for. And then I feel like when Asian immigrants came here, the media and, and the powers that be were kind of like, all right, well, we're going to put you in the Black neighborhoods and on the media, we're going to say, hey, Black people, like, remember those you know, Asian people you fought for to be here? Well, they're going to start invading your neighborhoods. So from the beginning, like, they, they wanted to kind of divide and conquer is, is kind of how I see it. I mean, that's just the kind of, digging I've been doing lately anyways. Yeah, and I think Sam and I as like Asian dudes, like five, ten and up, you know, with significant girth around us, like like we you know, I feel like we can defend ourselves. Sam probably knows how to handle a fucking gun. I don't, you know, but it's just like, you know what fucking, yeah, I just you know what fucking broke me was like seeing like Asian grandma getting kicked in the face. Um, we're seeing, you know, people our parents' age who can't speak the language of English very well, um, you know, getting harassed and being made fun of and getting spit on and calling being called dirty and like that. Actually, like I'm I'm in front of my computer, and you know, it's weeping in front of this, right? And I'm, I'm my heart is breaking in front of this shit. And um, I think I realized at that moment. I mean, I had been entertaining this theory for a while but like i really i can really conflate the american dream that our parents immigrated here for with white privilege and i think at that moment i was just like the white privilege will never be available to us in the way that we thought it was mm -hmm. and so in that moment i was like it takes a catastrophic event maybe but we will never have the privilege that these white folks told us that we should, we should come to this country for. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I was like, and even before that, I was just like, we are here because of the Civil Rights Act. Because as you said before, Jake, the Chinese Exclusion Act, which pro included China, yes, it was the main thing, but also was fucked up towards all East Asian countries. Um, right. Stopped immigration entirely, right? And so it took a Civil Rights Act majorly to really open immigration that is a fact of it so i want my asian people asian americans to know like we are here because black indigenous latino folk fought for these rights including the asian people who were here before and so we are and my thing is always like we're asian people are so big into generational legacy and history together and so i'm like we need to remember the fucking legacy of the country that we came in here for and that is really like 
built on the back of black people for the privilege of it and also built on black movements to right fight for rights. And if we understand that to have some kind of quality together, then, then we can start talking about an equality paradise that we're trying to build in this country together, you know? And I think that's where I'm at right now, to be honest. And I, I'm really trying to educate my own folk, I educate my own people about it. But yeah, like it's the COVID thing was, I mean, it should be alarming and illuminating for all folk to be like, we don't have the rights that we said we had in this country, no matter where the fuck we think we are. We will never be that. We will never be white. And as white adjacent as we are sometimes, I'll be like, I'll tell my people, it's like, that, that'll never be us. So we need to bring everyone up with us or we are losing the fucking fight every single time because we will lose it every single time. And, um, yeah, and, and just to piggyback off of that, it's, it reminded me of a conversation I had when, you know, probably what, damn 10, over 10 years ago, probably when, you know, like I said, there was a time in my life where I genuinely thought I was black. Um, and one of my close friends since middle school, when we're, you know, like 21, 22, um, we're drunk. We're just, you know, having one of those deep conversation. He, he, you know, I'm, I'm probably dressed in my tall tee and, you know, got my cap matching my sneakers and he's in his, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch, American Eagle, Aeropostale shit. And he looks at me, he goes like, you know, you're not black, right? And I looked at him, I was like, you know, you're not white, right? And, and we had this debate about like, yeah, but like, this is, this is how you're supposed to be. This is normal. And I said, like, how is that normal? Like you're, you're rocking clothes of people that probably don't like, would look down on you if they saw you in person. Like you're, you're the guy who manufactures their clothing, clothing. He doesn't really care if you wear it or not. Like, and, and little things like that is Asian people, like you said, like their, their, their goal is that white privilege and they, they buy into it. And once they have a certain stature of money or whatever, like they, they're fully bought into it. Like, yeah, I, I got the American dream. I have this privilege. Just, and they don't understand it's, it's more because like you make your money and you stay quiet in your corner. Like, yeah. and you're, you're, you're this, you're, you're kind of like a, a little thing that we hold in front of other minorities to say, Hey, like these fuckers did it. Why can't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So so don't don't be a fucking court jester, Asian people. Like they, they don't really give a shit about us either. Oh, yeah, man. They're working on the bigger groups right now and, and we're next. The shit that I hate and I think that we might all identify with is like when someone outside a racial group because we're too quiet or we're too fucking loud, take our voice and say this is and put our fucking argument up here and be like, look at the Asian people, look at the black people, kind of thing. And because we're not being fucking we're not being outspoken enough or we're not being represented well enough to be like, this is exactly what they think. And so I'm like, fuck with all that. I think Sam's example of Hollister and Abercrombie and even tall tees represents that. My earlier point where fashion and clothes have power. So I'm, I'm fucking pulsing <laughs> this fucking shit together. But I believe that, man, like everything needs to be, everything needs to be challenged. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Everything needs to be challenged and we need to talk to our own people about it because for the first time, we speak the same language. And I think that in itself is a reason we'd be like, I understand nuance of English more than I do Korean. For the first time in my fucking family's 2,000 year history. So let's talk about that in the fucking nuanced 
experienced, expert way that we know how to talk and communicate. And I think that's what we're doing here today. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and yeah, just on that, I was just wondering, like, did you see very much of like that, you know, black or Latino on Asian stuff going on during COVID? I just, you know, just wondering as far as media goes, I mean, I'm Asian and I follow these Asian pages, so I see it all the time. But like, you know, is, does that get brought up? Like, you know, does that come up in your feed at all unless I'm posting it? No, I mean, like, I think at the end of the day, like, you saw it happening in a lot of countries of, like, just Asian in general people, like, whether they're Vietnamese or Korean or Chinese or Japanese or whatever, like, you know, them coughing on a train and people are like, oh, they automatically have COVID. Like, no, yeah. bro, like, it's not like that. <laughs> like, just because... I, people and smoking I think, weed out here, yo. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> But, like, I, I think one of you said it, like, you know, like, I think one of the things that I want to be conscious about, because I, I, like, as much as right now the lens is on black people, for me, it's also, like, realizing how other people have had it bad in this country, too. Again, not in an all lives matter situation, but just, like, yeah. now's the time to just realize who's around you, you know? Like, and for me, it's, like, realizing what Asian people have done in this country sometimes, too, and, like, how people just look at you and just assume like the same way people approach blackness as a monolith people do that for asian people too you know what i mean yeah. like there are plenty of countries in asia and like it just gets narrowed down to like what's chinese or like what whatever they've heard of so like when a korean people or a korean person coughs on a train they're like oh they must be from china oh they must have covid like it's not like that bro like at this point, I would assume most white people have COVID more than Asian people. Like, <laughs> you're in Denny's and shit. So, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, for me, like, why I was really conscious of that is, like, um, seeing the occasional Asian writer I'm following or, like, occasional Asian friend I have where they, like, come into a situation where people automatically assume at the beginning of this that they had COVID, like coming from China, but they're not Chinese. Like it's, it, it's not like that. So um, that's kind of like why I brought it up. Yeah. Um, and I think like in answering that, you brought up a lot of things that I think we've done here of just like talking out like where each other are coming from. That's what should happen. And like, there should there should obviously be some education outside of conversing. Like I know for us as Black Fires, people come to us about the dumbest stuff of like, what music should I be listening to? Or like what <laughs> like bro, like, okay, I'm gonna tell you my in my like alt bands I like, like Arctic Monkeys and Real Estate. So maybe you shouldn't come to me for music per se. Kind of Arctic Monkeys, let's go, baby. Official band of the pod. I followed them on tour for a while, man. Like, <laughs> but like, they, like, don't assume like black culture is just like what you know from like um, menace of in society and stuff like that. Like, blackness mm -hmm. is not a monolith, as I'm sure. Asia, like, yeah. being Asian is not a monolith. Like, you, there's so many cultures within Asian and so, uh, Asia, and so many like ways of growing up and thinking. Like, you can't just lump it together. And I think that's something that we do have a commonality in is just like someone seeing you and be like, they're African-American. Like, 
it goes to a point that I wanted to come to earlier of like when people when I say like oh I'm Belizean German and like African American and people will be like oh there are black people in Germany like yeah dude like <laughs> there's black people everywhere like it's not just like African American just gets lumped into this thing of like oh I see a black person they must be African American right like, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, it, it's more than that and oh yeah black people when you go to Asia bro like. People just automatically think you're famous if you if you're walking around the street. Exactly. People automatically. My whole life being tall, like when I went on a college to when I did orientation at DePaul, I did it at the same time as the basketball team. And I'm not tall. I'm like like for basketball, I'm not tall. I'm like six two, mm-hmm. and like people were assuming I was on the basketball team automatically. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, dude. First of all, and I I I, I just came comfortable into admitting it i fucking suck at basketball i'm terrible i'm better at hockey than i am at basketball like <laughs> sorry white people that's just how it goes down the sons of nick's coalition right here are sucking at basketball bro coming up <laughs> but I mean, like, you can't just, uh, like, it's the same thing that I saw from white people in California, assuming Asian people are good at math. I'm, like, you guys, I'm, I'm sure you get that. trash at that shit, so fuck you guys. <laughs> right. Like, you, just, you can't approach these groups, like, just in a singular vision. There's so yeah. many, like, little divisions of, like, how people grow up and how people live their life. Like, and people just need to recognize that. And I don't have a lot of faith in America in realizing, realizing that, but... I mean, that, that's at least as us as minority groups in America. I think we can just come together ourselves on that of just like, we just have so many other ways of living than what is given to us, you know? I'm with Absolutely. you. I'm with you. Big ups to uh, David Adonkor, who was the first black German I've seen in my life at the World Cup, bro. That's all right. This is fire. What, what? This black dude on Germany, I was like 12 at the time. I was like, yes, let's go. What the fuck is yeah, that? I'm still waiting for our first black player on the, on the South Korean team, bro. Yo, straight up, there's Brazilians who play in the K-League who are trying to be naturalized by Korea to play in the hey. World Cup sometimes. So, Motherfuckers yeah, no. trying, to, trying to do some military service, huh? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> you got to What's up? Doesn't South Korea have, like, some na- – because I was watching Winter Olympic one time, and I think, like, someone from Russia who, like, was in Russia for a previous Olympic was yeah. doing South Korea now. Like, I'm not sure how that worked, but – No, it was a Korean guy who's um, was Russian naturalized very um, – very- Oh, so it's the other way around. Okay. The other way around, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, it was a big – You know Russia taking in athletes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's political as fuck. It's all that. And um, political as fuck and football is what we talked about today. Dude, Jake, I'm so thankful for you, man. I'm excited for what we're building together. And we're still very new to this game, man. And I think um, we're hyped that we can make the connections that we did. Because I honestly believe the people that we're around right now are some of the best people in my life. And I count you as one of them, man. And this is the discussion the journey, the walk that we're going to be going every single day. And um, I'm hyped that you got to join us in FCFC, man, where we talk about anything but actually what happens on the pitch. So I'm glad. <laughs> that yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited. You guys um, brought me on and like, I'm just 
you know, I feel like this is the beginning of something special of just like whenever Chicago plays LA, like we gotta turn up no matter what city it's in, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna hey, anywhere but Orlando though. Fuck that place. Anywhere I'm but not Orlando. Going to Florida. We're not doing that. <laughs> Uh, well, me. if you have any of your socials for, for your Instagram or your the supporters groups and, and whatnot, if you want to plug those real quick. Yeah. Um, whoever had Black Fires on Twitter, please give me that shit, please. Yeah, who we have, is that right now, dude? What the fuck? It's some, it's some account with like two followers, but okay. um, our Twitter is fires underscore black. And then our Instagram, let me look this up before I mess this up extra bad. But. <laughs> And we'll plug it in the description, too. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. How do you not know the fucking Instagram? Uh, it is... It's BlackfireCF97, which is actually incorrect, because when we made it, we weren't a Red Star group yet. So we got to change that. But, <laughs> so this is not... Don't even listen to the last part. Just follow him on Twitter. We will post a real link to the Instagram as yeah. we go along. Yeah, I, I obviously do not have my stuff together. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. You've been drinking all day, and that we respect. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. We appreciate you for listening in. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a last-time listener, fuck off. We'll never see you again. I have a good night, everybody. FCFC. FC, 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 F